What is up everyone, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode, I just have a couple quick announcements. First off, thank you for tuning in. The support on the podcast so far has been amazing. We're super excited about the community that we're building here with Move Local. So we cannot wait to continue to grow and meet more amazing people. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, head over there and follow us, move.local as well as sign up for our newsletter if you want to make sure that you don't miss out on any new releases of episodes, of merchandise, of exciting news that we have coming up for the Move Local community. Head over there, sign up so you do not miss out. You can find that in the bio on Instagram or in the show notes below of this episode. And then lastly, guys, if you've liked or took value from any one of our episodes so far, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you consume your podcast, subscribe to Move Local, and drop us a review and a rating. It really helps our podcast grow. It helps us get good feedback from you guys, what you want to hear more of, what you want us to improve on, so that we can continue to provide you with the best content possible and grow this amazing community. That is all I have for today. Enjoy this episode of Move Local. Welcome to the Move Local podcast. Our mission is to connect the movers and shakers of the Dundas and Hamilton area who pride themselves on growing a healthier and more connected community. We will do this through having conversations around health, education, entrepreneurship, and much more. We want to be part of helping you move confident, move free, and move local. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Move Local Podcast, brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me today is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? Good, man. It's been a good uh, morning so far. Feeling, feeling pretty decent. Had a few coffees, so I'm ready to go. There we go. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been a while since we've had you on The Move Local. We've been, we've been missing you, so it's, it's good to have you back. Well, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, we need a little bit of extra beard. Like Don's beard is okay. Yours yeah. is tremendous. Mine is non-existent. I've spent a lot of time in the woods lately, so I feel like it's growing extra fast. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, guys, we're back with another episode today. Um, we're super excited to have Scott Eccles on the show. He is the owner of Eccles Automotive here in Dundas. Um, so we're pumped to have him on to talk about the business and all of that fun stuff. So Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. How, uh, how's your day been so far? Uh, well, as off air said, it's been, it's been a day. It's just been one of those days, but, uh, yeah, I'm good. Um, just, uh, you know, you're dealing with, uh, ever-changing landscape of owning a business yeah i was gonna say your explanation of what you had to go through this morning is like the definition of an owner yeah you're like you got to jump in get your hands dirty try to get lunch for the team and they're not can't get it gotta adapt and persevere all those all those things a lot lots of pivoting a lot of, a lot of hats you wear and a lot of pivoting and, and, and always uh you know looking there's always something going on sounds like the last year and a half yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but why don't you do this? Why don't you do a little intro into, into who you are and like your, your kind of role. Um, and then we'll, we'll dive into all the other stuff. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Scott Eccles and I am the owner of Eccles Auto Service here in Dundas, which has been, uh, in Dundas since, uh, 1984, uh, which my father started. Um, and I've been there since 2003 and I purchased it in, uh, 2019. Okay, so definitely been in Dundas for a while, been in the family for a while. Yeah. 
And then you started in 2003. What was your role when you started then? Um, 2003. So I uh, after high school, I took a, a retail management course because that was the closest thing I could find to uh, an automotive. There was no automotive business uh, management courses. Um, so I took that at Niagara College, and then I graduated that, and then I started working for my dad as a technician. So I signed up as a level one apprentice. Um, which I worked through, uh, got licensed, and then soon after getting licensed, we had bought another building. So I moved up there to just start doing some service advising and managing. And then, uh, yeah, then life throws you a curveball. In 2011, my dad was in a motorcycle accident. Um, so he was taken out of the picture for a long time. So then all the big decisions became my decisions. And it, it, in a way, it kind of helped naturally progress the, I guess, the uh, who was in charge and, 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 uh, me getting thrown to the wolves and trying to figure out how you ran a business. Right. Yeah, so. Did you always have, like, the aspirations of going into into the business, or? Yeah, that's a tough one. It's one of those ones where I think there was almost, like, an absence of doing something else. Right. So, like, going through high school and stuff, I never really had this drive, like, I wanted to work with my dad or wanted to work on cars. I loved cars. Um... And I understood them and stuff, but uh, I did. It, it ultimately, just I couldn't picture doing anything else. Like I never, there was like an absence of like something else that drove me. So uh, I just, yeah, wandered towards what what seemed easy at the time. Yeah, it's, it's not a not a super easy industry. Yeah, definitely. Do you have like favorite type of car? Yeah, I think I think this seems to be like a moving target. Mm. Um, I think probably answer like a, a common question would be like you know what's your favorite car if you could own any car what would you have um, and I seem to answer different every time but, um, uh, I would say like mid fifties to mid sixties muscle car American muscle car would be my favorite type of vehicle yeah so when I was growing up my dad had a sixty three Stingray convertible Corvette Stingray convertible and that would be like the favorite car we I've ever he's ever owned uh, so if, yeah if I had to own a car that would be what it'd be nice. Yeah. Are you are you a car guy? Do I? Yeah. I I like that kind of era of car, especially like that muscle car type thing. I'm not like a car like geek. Yeah. I don't know that much uh, about the way they work and and that type of thing, but I really like it. Like when there's car shows and stuff. Uh, my dad's pretty into them, so you know I'll always go with him, and I, I love like checking them all out and stuff. But you don't have you don't have to be a car geek to appreciate what they are, right? So, like there's uh, beauty in a vehicle. You don't have to. You don't have to understand how it works. You just gotta know that you like it. That's a good point. That's what I was gonna say. I'm not a car. I know nothing about cars at all. But I, you can appreciate like oh, yeah. a beautiful car. You yeah, know? There's, there's cars can be yeah. Cars can be sexy and cars can be beautiful and as weird as that may sound, it's true. And you don't you don't need to know how it runs or why it moves, <laughs> but you can you can appreciate it. I wonder what your reason why that particular era and type of car. I, I would say mostly it would be my father. Um, growing up, we had, I don't know, we had cars for a weekend that he's purchased. And so we had so many vehicles, and a lot of them were in that kind of era. So we had, we had like Chevelles and Corvettes and like tea bucket roadsters and like hot rod Model A's and a whole bunch of like high horsepower American muscle type cars. And uh, so I think just being around that when I was young, yeah, you'd be. You'd something part of it's part of you yeah something about them eh? that feels very like like there's like a connection with it yeah because of how mechanical it is there 
there's something about like so Jeff who works for me is my lead guy um, we've known him I think he started pumping the gas for my dad so he's we've known him for literally ever he's worked for us since day one so he's been with us for 37 years um, and he had an Oldsmobile 442 cool muscle car and there's something about the fact that that car it would create so much torque when he drove it all the time that when he sold it like the left front bumper space between the headlight and the bumper and the right front were different because the car would torque up so much it, it was slowly over time twisting the frame like just like that's raw, crazy raw power yeah yeah which seems like yeah super american like just like mm. you know more power yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you probably won't see that in a car these days no well yeah you still do a bit i mean dodge for whatever reason we got every other every other truck and car manufacturer going to like small displacement with turbos and and more green and more this and then dodge chrysler's like hemis and everything like we don't care about the <laughs> economy um what was like what was the the driving reason behind like your dad starting the business you know like why why did he get into it you know was it just something he's always been passionate about yeah um i mean he'd be the best at that's that. true that's but true. um from what i know about it so my dad raced motocross um up until his mid 30s almost i think so um i think he so he'd, he'd it was like a way for him to learn how to work on his bikes and make sure he could take care of his van that he was using to drive the bikes around um and i think that's why he got into like the uh the actual like mechanic side of like get his license and stuff and then just his if you've ever met my dad he likes he likes to talk he likes to be um involved and uh and he's like a salesman through and through so i think working for somebody didn't only work for so long and he's like you know what i can do this on my own right um and he obviously was very successful at it yeah but i'd say i'd say it started with just like yeah, motocross probably started it out okay. yeah how like what is like now that you're kind of you know running the business how long has it been since you you took over 2011 was it no i took over and well i bought it in 19 I, I would say like oh, yeah, okay. I uh, I would say that like the majority of management decisions and stuff, I started in two thousand eleven. That and that was because my dad was uh, in the hospital with a broken neck and broken right. legs and other stuff from a motorcycle accident. So all of a sudden, I was the decision maker. Yeah, and how was that for you? Um, Being kind of thrust into that. I think looking back on it, you just like I think it, there's people. If you run a business, you, you understand. It's just like, okay, this is the situation we're dealing with. You don't have time to worry about it. You don't have time to to deal with it. You just you just just roll with it and figure it out. So I was like, now I make the decisions. They're gonna be good or bad. We'll figure it out. And uh, so I, I don't I don't think I had a, like even my dad being in the hospital with how with everything that happened. I don't think I ever really grasped like a, 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 how big of a deal it was because I was just you're just in it thrust forward. Yeah, you're in the middle of it and you gotta make decisions and you're just dealing with what comes your way making sure you have like you guys run a business and you have employees and um you are responsible for those people and their families and everything that you are responsible for their livelihoods so mm -hmm. you just uh you just figure it out yeah there's no handbook on like mm -hmm. how do you take over the business when dad can't run it at the mm -hmm. moment no yeah no so. <laughs> fortunately uh my dad my dad did a lot of good things even growing up i uh I think most people would assume, like with a family business, especially, you would 
uh, probably be around it all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you grew up in it. Uh, when I was growing up and I can get a job, my dad made me go get jobs everywhere else. Oh, nice. Um, so I got experience working for other people, um, different either management styles or just dealing with other people and not um, not feeling like I'm just got, a, I guess, a silver spoon in my mouth or whatever going to work right. for my old man. So, yeah, I worked at other garages. I worked at wrecking yards and a whole bunch of other stuff before I ever moved moved to work for my dad. Did that, like, influence uh, how you try to have that, like, your own kind of style uh, running your company? Maybe, yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of similarities between uh, my dad and myself, but uh, we do think differently. Mm-hmm. And so I think just personality-wise, we do... Uh, we run the business a little different. He's very sales guy. He would like love this. He would be like he like, and uh, and I'm I'm a little more drawn back. Like if there's there's gonna be people who come to our shop who have no idea who I am or that I own it because I'm I'm running the business. I'm not in the business. That's like as much as today I'm you know wrenching on cars, but uh, yeah. that's my goal. Um, well, Bruce would be like the he's that face. He loves it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's differences there that. The one thing, you know, I obviously just met you not that long ago when, when you came here. And the one thing I always appreciated just like having conversations with you about the business and stuff was you can tell that you guys really focus on like the people that come into your business. It's not about the car, you know, or just the car or, or making the money off the car. Like you can, I can tell that even have bringing my car to you guys to, to get it fixed. And is that something that you really try to um, preach at the business, or you really try to get across with your with your team there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, our industry has its own like people have their view of our industry, um, and uh, and so we're always this uphill battle of uh, not being people who rip people off or or take advantage of people. Um, so we strive to be very professional and courteous um, and take care of the people coming in or make them feel like their interest is our like their best interest is what we want Um, because cars are going to break they're going to break they wear out they break Um, so there'll always be business but if you don't take care of the person Mm -hmm. um, those cars won't be coming to you so yeah we there's definitely customer service is definitely a focus yeah Yeah. what what are some things that you guys try to do to make make that like vibe or that community feel um well i mean try to be very transparent um so because this industry has this dark side to it of people thinking that uh we're taking advantage of them just try to be as open and honest and transparent as possible and one of the tools we use is uh and i don't know if you've gotten before but like the digital uh vehicle inspection so everything we when we look at your car we take pictures or videos of anything we find wrong and that way you see what we see. And then even if you don't understand how a car works, I can tell you like, hey, this isn't supposed to go up and down like that. And you can see, okay, I don't know, I don't know what a tie rod end or what it does, but it's not supposed to do that. Um, and even when we make mistakes, because we're all human, um, is, is to be uh, admit them, be honest about them, take care of your person, whatever. At the end of the day, uh, I, I always just want to take care of the person. So if, if, if we've done something wrong, I want to make sure we make it right. Uh, I think that speaks volumes to people um, that we're not just you know not just another number another car to make money off of. Right. Yeah. That's a that's a good point. Like, because it's funny when you drop off your car, it's like this sort of Wizard of Oz type thing. 
you know, you drop it out there and you, <laughs> you have no idea what's actually happening. Yeah. And then you just pick it up and you're like, I think, you know, this is legitimate. And there's, and there's stuff too, like that there's stuff that maybe your vehicle needs, especially because we focus a lot on preventative maintenance stuff. We want, our goal is for you to like never have an issue, right? Um, and, uh, and some stuff we do, you, like there's no physical, tangible like difference, right? Like if you had a noise and we fix the noise, the noise is gone. If you come in, we're like, your spark plugs are wore out. We change them. Nothing has changed for you. It runs the same. It starts the same. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, yeah, gaining this trust with people um, that you're taking care of them and that you have their interests at heart um, bridges that whole, like, yeah, hocus pocus <laughs> Wizard <laughs> of Oz thing. I could imagine that being tough, though, because, yeah. like, people like me, you know, don't have a clue, yeah. you know, uh, don't know about cars. And so, like... Have developing that trust in that industry, I could see that being a challenge. Yeah, yeah, and and everybody and every person's different. So like, um, I've done a lot of like you know you got your disc pro like when you try to learn what people's uh, like personalities are and how you talk to them. So like people with their cars, there's people like no no about cars and uh, maybe know more than you do sometimes. Um, like at least they think they do. Um, and, <laughs> and then there's people who know about cars and like the information. Then there's people who have no idea what's going on and they want it explained thoroughly to them. And then there's people who want no idea what's going on and they want nothing to do with it. (laughs) How much is it and when can I pick it up? So you gotta learn what kind of person you're dealing with and how to talk to them because you can't use the same way with every one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Like It translates over to what we, we do here, right? Like I think anytime you're working with other people, like understanding the person in front of you, understanding how understanding how to best communicate to them, yeah. knowing like and reading the best that you can like how they're feeling in the moment. Because I'm sure there's people that come to you very frustrated, people that come to you the very like I don't want to say fearful, but like not knowing what's going on or what to do. And then there's always fine like there's there's money around it. Like there's so many different things at play that I think it's so important to have that in your in the forefront of your mind when you're working with with other people. And I think. You know, I've been to some other mechanics before, and, and I don't know if that's always thought about all the time at certain places, you know. Yeah, and you say, like, there's because there is money involved. Um, I, I always feel like a, a fixing your car is a grudge purchase. Mm. Never, no one is excited to go to their shop and be like, just going to drop some money today <laughs> yes, on my car. Like, it's very rare. We're not, we're not like a performance shop or something like that. So um, you have to understand people coming to you are not super pumped to be there usually right so true yeah Yeah. which puts you just already at like not a disadvantage but just at like a position where you're like and this you know that this interaction is gonna start out like slanted you know yeah kind of but like so i mean there's in the out you walk in the out you try to have a nice space for people to come into um there's some uh there's an american uh automotive association that did a big poll and it was on millennials and uh when it came to getting their car fixed, like what was the most important thing to them? And number one wasn't their car being fixed right. It was first impressions. Yeah. Like when they walk into your business, how how do they feel about you when you walk in? That was more important to them than fixing their car right. So you have to like, nice space, be, you know, say hello to them, and then bridge this gap of trust with stuff like that uh, digital vehicle inspection where it's like, we're not trying to pull the wool over your eyes, this is your vehicle that we're seeing and then again for me um we're just a messenger from a car the car speaks to us we speak to you you're the you're the decision maker we can tell you if it's safe or not um but i'm not gonna 
do stuff A without your approval or B make you do anything. Like ultimately you're the decision maker. Yeah, that's true. What um what have you tried to bring into the to the business now that you've taken over? Like are are is there kind of like a I don't wanna say like a new way of doing things, but how have you added like your flavor into into the business? Um I think Compared to my, my dad's style would have been, well, he would have started in like the seventies. Um, so when I started, there was just like some proper like management stuff that needed to be done. Um, make sure we, we have like, uh, monthly staff meetings, which weren't a thing. Um, I have weekly toolbox meetings. We'll meet with my techs once a week and we just talk for 10, 15 minutes. Um, recently we started doing barbecues once a month to try to just some non-work related uh, stuff. Uh, we have a trivia that goes out once a week that all the staff is involved in. And so like on Wednesday, they get a trivia, 15 questions, and, uh, they, and everyone's like vying for position and there's a little trophy that goes around. Nice. Like, <laughs> Love it. Something, nice. something a little different. So that's like dealing with the staff, maybe I, I added a little difference and I, I do have some help from uh, input from my, my staff. Um, and then Managing with customers, uh, the the digital vehicle inspection, I brought that in, um, and and trying to like I mean, trying to stay on top of technology in this industry is pretty ridiculous. So, um, you go back 10, 15 years, and a car on average had like nine computers, and now they have like a hundred and thirty. So, yeah. um, so recently, I'm investing a lot into uh, emerging technologies, I guess. So. Electric vehicles and hybrids have been around for a long time, but uh, their technology always changes as well. So we have installed two charging stations, which, so I took head of that, like that was my idea. And we bought a fully electric vehicle to shuttle customers around in um, and uh, and started investing in, into training and stuff for, for my technicians so that as these vehicles come out, because they are definitely coming a lot faster than people think, uh, we'll be already able to deal with them. Yeah. I do want to ask more about the, the electric car stuff. Before we go into that, like, I love, you know, the stuff that you brought up with, with your staff and your team members and, like, why, well, not maybe not why, but what have you found um, beneficial from starting to do that? Have you seen changes or have you seen different things that come from doing those things within the business? I do. I, you do see some satisfaction with, like, like, the trivia thing was, like, a hit. Like, people loved it immediately. Yeah. Um, so you get to see that and people talk about it and they talk about the questions. So you have this like non-work conversation where you get to have a, like a break from the fact that you're just dealing with people and cars all the time. Um, and I think uh, you're also trying to create a team atmosphere. Because, um, I mean, everyone who owns a business wants to have like a, a good business culture, right? They want people to want to work there, be happy working there. Um, and, and so you're trying to achieve, you're trying to achieve that, like a good culture with people, make sure people are happy. So, um, you do see, I think you, sometimes you weed out people maybe that don't fit your culture by doing stuff. Um, and then you do see some people, uh, really take a hold of it or enjoy it or they, they understand maybe they do a little more than they, um, it's required from them because maybe they feel part of the team. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely value that a lot here. And I know, I know it's a big part of what Will tries to, to create with, with our business. And I'm sure he could speak on that. 
mm-hmm. a lot more too. But it's um it's cool to just hear that that's something that you guys are focusing on too. Yeah, I would definitely relate. Like doing similar things, and I think just you kind of alluded to that like millennial thing. Like younger people are generally working for maybe different reasons, like coming from or different priorities and different priorities for sure. Like They're, that priorities totally shifted. Yeah, so even dealing with cars with them, so like your baby boomer era and even your Gen Xers or whatever, everyone owned a car. It was like what you did. And then like you get into millennials, and technically I'm like the beginning of that, but um, as you get into the your, your people in their late 20s or early 30s, owning a car is not necessarily something they went out and did right away. Yeah. They may still not even have a driver's license. and uh, Or they only have one car in a family instead of you know two or three. And so uh, you, uh, you have to know that person and how you're going to deal with them and what's important to them and I it's feel like sorry I, I also feel like the uh the knowledge gap of the general public is bigger like because one. like before people would know a little bit about their cars like, yeah people our age don't know anything and there's more to know like there's, you said there's so much just in general if you think about like the way technology and all that stuff's advanced in our lifetime, let alone some other people's lifetimes, like that's just not important anymore. Does the car start? Does it take me A to B? That is it. Because uh, they and I don't like. I have the conversation with people. If they don't know about their car, you're not you're not a trained professional. Why would you know about your car, right? You know whatever you do. You, I don't know. I don't know how to do physiotherapy. I don't know what stretches I should do and shouldn't do. That's not my job. Um, so I think uh, yeah, it's technology stuff that you're going to see that continue. You're gonna always have like a personal, professional person for each item. You know, even even not just cars. You think about people taking care of their homes and stuff. Like the back in the day, you know, you put the roof on yourself and you sided it yourself yeah. and all that stuff. That so, doesn't happen that often anymore, right? You're right. Yeah, and I think the going on the millennial thing, like even people who are you know working for a company, like they want to work for someone who has a good culture and they get they get purpose out of their job and like yeah. feel like they're serving something bigger than themselves and I think also people more nowadays um, want to go to businesses that are doing that you yeah. know that are, are doing things for purpose and they have a good mission and they're trying to create a good culture and they're in the community like I think people want to support that more and more now yeah I think stuff like that's important to people coming into the into the job market for sure it's not just I need to find a job to pay the bills right yeah um okay so on to like the I know you talked about the electrical cars mm-hmm. and how that's rolling out is that a big part of what you see coming in the industry and like for for you guys as like a business in that industry to adapt to or is there other things that have been kind of coming to the forefront that's important or there's a a, a few things that'll come so electric vehicles evs are gonna be really common soon um so uh, gm's already announced they're bringing out like 25 models in 2025 so that's only four years away um and other countries including ours like uh canada has basically started the process of uh, saying that you'll no longer be selling any uh, internal combustion engines or any gasoline diesel engines in your regular cars and pickup trucks by 2035. Um, I think Europe is 2030 or UK is 2030 and there's some other ones um, that are like that. Now, 
I don't know if we'll get to that point that fast because the other problem, there's always, infrastructure is always an issue. Like if everyone bought an electric car right now, the, the grid would just fail. Like you cannot possibly do that. Yeah. Right? Because you don't, you, everyone seems to forget like, just because you don't go to a gas station anymore to fill up with gas, you go home and plug it into the, into the, your house. Yeah. There's no different than turning your air conditioning on. And so like every single person, if they bought an electric car. <laughs> just plugged it in. Poof. Yeah. So not good. But um, <laughs> that's the way we're going to move. I think you'll see a lot of, uh, you'll see like kind of the death of the typical internal combustion engine in our lifetime and, and mostly either hybrids or fully EVs. I don't think you'll ever see a hydrogen cell vehicle in our lifetime. It's very expensive um, and dangerous. So I think, uh, yeah, electric vehicles are, are here now and they are going to take over. I think I saw like was it Jeep that just announced they have an electric Jeep or something? There, Unless there's, I'm mistaken. There's a bunch coming out. So like Ford just brought out their Lightning truck. They brought it back as a fully electric. GM is bringing out a Hummer, like a thousand horsepower Hummer oh, that's fully wow. electric, fully electric. And uh, and so they're all starting to roll out. As funny as it is, as as a, as odd as it is, so it's not like they just like these have obviously been in in the process of these. Uh, you know, GM, Ford, they've had, had this figured out. They can't just build a car in a day. So they've been working on this for years and years and years. And we're seeing this massive rollout of them now because uh, Trump didn't win. Because Biden won. So because so Trump was uh, anti-electric vehicle. He was anti-emission control. He was trying to abolish the California emissions that have been around since the early 90s. Um, but when he lost and Biden won, then all of a sudden you see, hey, <laughs> pushing all these cars out. Right. Yeah. What is that? What do you think that? What does that look like? You know, in your in your mind, like when that starts to have like shift, like what, you know, what does it mean for you guys? What does it mean for? Like what is it like? Uh, like so, the electric vehicle coming for me? Yeah. There's a few things. One is uh, training is uh, hard to find right now, um, and it is important. I mean, if you're a linesman working on hydro lines, 600 volts doesn't seem like a whole heck of a lot, but when you've spent your entire life working on 12 volts, it seems like a lot. So uh, they, they can be, they could be dangerous. It can kill you, um, electric car. So um, finding training right now, a lot of it's just out of the States and, uh, and then just infrastructure. So like trying to get ahead of it, of having my own electric car to be able to look mm -hmm. at, figure out how it works, putting in charging stations to help. Um, either as an added bonus, like an added value to a customer. If you bring your EV to me, we'll charge it while it's here. Like if you need yeah. it for the day, when we're done, we'll just put it on the charger, charge it no, for no, no fee. Um, but also as we move forward, that'll be important for like customers coming in, you know, cause we deal with all the time. People try drop a car off with a noise and there's no gas in it. So, <laughs> so you gotta, yeah. You Classic. Yeah. So, I never even thought about that. Yeah. So then you're like, I gotta go road test this. So you gotta go to the gas station, fill it up. So we need a way of filling these cars back Next up. Next time I bring my car in. Yeah. It's you, coming in on E. Okay. <laughs> so I know, I don't know anything about this, but like, so I might be asking dumb questions, but with like the electrical vehicle, is yeah. it like, is are there still lots of similarities in terms of like the mechanics of how the car works or is it like completely different? No, so it's uh, like, only thing that's changed is how the car moves. Right. So like your steering, suspension, tires, rims, brakes are ultimately still very similar or the exact same. Um, so there's still like, there's, so right now what I deal with, and this will be part of like trying to deal with the future, 
this job, as much as it is fixing cars, is also educating people. All the time educating people about vehicles because everybody either has a different idea or there's misinformation. So electric vehicles right now, so we have customers with Nissan Leafs and stuff uh, that are out. And they've been out since like 2011. Um, they just assume because I don't, we've, we've like bred into people's minds when I need an oil change, my car gets maintenance. Well, we've got rid of the oil change and now I don't need maintenance. So they just drive it and nothing gets looked at. So, um, so they, yeah, so then all of a sudden they'll come in because something's happened or, or something like that and the tires haven't been rotated. You still have brakes. You still have a cabin air filter. They still have 12 volt batteries in them. They're still a regular car battery in an electric vehicle because all the stuff you touch in a car, they don't want 600 volts going through. So all your lights and stuff inside your vehicle, all that stuff still runs off six, uh, 12 volts. So all, they go dead just like a regular car battery does. So right. educating people that just because you bought an electric car doesn't mean you have you know, foregone maintenance for the rest of your life. <laughs> True. That's yeah. such a good point. Yeah, some people, I would never think about that. And like we talked about this before one time, and I was like, oh, man, that makes like, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, so there's, there's just, uh, so that's like the whole idea of buying the electric car and putting in, EV stations and pushing that we have this stuff is also like I'm not necessarily at this moment hoping to like gain all the electric vehicle business in the Hamilton area. I, I if I did I don't know if I would be able to deal with it. But it's more of a I need it's just like a public education program of these vehicles still need maintenance. You're gonna buy one in your life likely by the way it's gonna work out and we need to start now telling people how to deal with them. And then at the same time, I need to train my people, have the right tools in place, right safety training in place, and get people comfortable working on them. Yeah. What about autonomous driving yeah. vehicles? Yeah. Um, so the autonomous vehicle you'll probably also see in our life. Um, all As cars have come along and you have these like great little added um, like self-driving stuff happens. Like So you get a car that now has like... It'll stay in its own lane, or it gives you lane detection, or it has a, uh, adaptive cruise control, or it'll self-park. All that stuff is an intentional design to slowly release autonomous uh, things that a vehicle will have so that the consumer gets used to it. Mm. So, like, there is a designed plan in, like, so many, like, it's, like, five steps of, like, okay, so step one is we're going to give everybody... <laughs> little blind spot mirrors so they're used to them but those blind spot mirrors would help an autonomous vehicle know if there's someone in your way right and then like next we're going to give you adaptive cruise control well now the car is controlling your speed and stopping for you and right. self-parking and it's, it's like a it's a it's a thought through process of getting the general consumer used to the car doing stuff on their own and getting them getting away from this like shock of a car driving itself like the what ifs what if this happens right what if that happens? so down the line, all of a sudden, it won't be such a big deal to people. They're like, oh, well, it does everything anyway, so why not? Might as well drive me. Yeah. I, I That's had, crazy. I never thought about that, but that yeah. makes so much sense. Yeah, and I've I've driven a Tesla with its its uh, self-driving, and it's. I will say I Teslas are pretty intuitive when you get into them. Like, if you know how to use a phone and stuff, you can drive a Tesla and figure everything out because uh, it's a giant iPad beside you. <laughs> um, and it was neat, and I had the... Uh, uh, fortunate uh, uh, ability to ride in a, so Cadillac GM has one called Super Cruise um, and it's uh, more advanced than the Tesla self-driving so I was able to go in one and you could drive the entire 401 from one end to the other and never touch the steering wheel 
Um, but they have like safety protocols in place. Um, so it watches your eyes. So when you're driving down the road in the driver's seat and it's driving for you and you don't have your hands on the steering wheel, you're just sitting there. If you're not looking at the road for a certain amount of time, like it'll be like two seconds or something, it'll start shaking your seat and vibrating the steering wheel. And the steering wheel has LED lights in it and they'll go all red. Like, hey, hey, you got to pay attention to the road still. Um, That's wild. Yeah, pretty crazy. And so I was in one um, that we hit construction on the 401, so the lanes changed and it did no problem, went around with the lanes. And then, uh, and then it started raining and it rained so hard that the car couldn't recognize the lanes anymore. And then it starts giving you a heads up, like it starts shaking your sheet, seat and your steering wheel, like I'm, I'm giving you control again. Like I, I can't, can't do this. Yeah. Whoa. Do you yeah. think, just, just, just <laughs> like a speculation thing. <laughs> Do you think think it will completely change how you like, like eventually as people are more comfortable with it and the technology obviously gets better, like where the actual driving like car layout and everything will completely change? Yeah. Where like it's more of like a back of a limo type of thing? I think, I can't remember off the top. I want to say maybe Volvo just yeah. released like a prototype of like the car of the future. And it's like just a lounger. Like it's like a big yeah. lounge seat and a table and stuff. And that's that. And there's a big dash and everything still. But then I think it's still had a steering wheel and, and whatnot. But essentially it was like you're going to go watch TV in the back of your car, play yeah. some cards, and it'll just drive you around. Yeah. And, I'm, and it's possible. Like why, why couldn't it be possible? Um, I think there'll be you'll see like progressions of it. I'll think there'll be versions of that where like there's going to be people who still want to drive a car and maybe they allow you to still manually drive a car. And if you get in an accident, your insurance rates are way higher. Like you might see something like that. Right. Cause yeah. Like, Cause it, I do wonder about that. It is. There's, yeah, it's interesting to think about. There's a few things. So in my industry, like there's, there's different parts of our industry. So like auto bodies, part of the, you know, auto body, uh, automotive repair industry. And I, uh, as much as I am, trying to deal with the technology coming my way as these autonomous vehicles come out and dealing with electric cars you're essentially going to be able to like basically null and void body work right like accidents at some point should should happen yeah there'd be very few and far between you're almost and you're almost killing that industry off other than like custom work or you know damage from like the weather right so that'd be I don't know what they're doing about it, but like that'd be <laughs> yeah. something on the back of my mind if I was young and getting into this industry. Yeah, It seems, though, like an exciting time to be in the car industry because it's a lot of like transformation. Car- I think cars have always been like, because it's yeah. always, it's literally always changing. Like, so right now we have this electric vehicle coming out or like it's coming down the line. And my tech, some people maybe want nothing to do with them. Some people are like, yeah, okay, well, this is what we're going to have to deal with. So I have one kid who works for me, he's like 22 and he's like, yeah, no problem. Like this is, I'm going to be in this industry for a while, so I better figure it out. Um, and then if you talk to like techs who were techs in the eighties and they brought out, like got rid of carburetors and now we're going to go to fuel injection. They're like, whoa, yeah, it's basically, ma- <laughs> basically magic. I don't know how to work on these. I'm out. Um, so like cars have always like evolved with technology. So you're always, there's always something new. Always. Yeah. Definitely need to be adaptable and willing to like continue to learn. Yeah, if you don't, industry. if you don't keep up with it, you go, you fall behind. None of those. There's still lots of shops. There's still places for those those shops. But like, trying to be a, a, a leader in the industry, there's there you have to. Yeah. You have to making sure you're getting training and proper tools and always staying with what's coming down the down the pipeline. 
Yeah, that's what I've, I've appreciated of like getting to know you a little bit and talking about the business. Is like you can tell that that's something that you guys really value, and just even this conversation of itself is like showing that that's important to you, and, and you guys want to be leaders in, in the industry and here in, in the community of Dundas yeah. and Hamilton, and you know, getting the electric like um, charging stations and like learning about this to stay on the forefront. Like it just shows that you want to be part of that, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, the um, yeah being part of the community is a big deal. I think we lucked out being in Dundas. Uh, the uh, the very first Eccles Auto Service lasted one year on Longwood Road in Hamilton. There was a gas station, and then there was Gulf. Does anybody remember Gulf Gas? It was way before my time. Um, before my time too, so, man. <laughs> so they uh, they pulled out of Canada, and uh, so my dad lost the lease, and then uh, had to move. He'd been in business for a year. And he found a place in Dundas where Revelry is right here. That was used to be a two-bay garage. Okay. And that's where he moved into. And then uh, just lucked out being part of this wonderful little town. Yeah. Uh, being on the main main road as well helps us. But um, the community is important. Like, I mean, your whole business is based on, like, you, you, you hope the community comes to you and trusts you. And then you give back to the community. It's a, yeah. it's a relationship. It is, and I think Dundas is a great place to do that. Like, being a new business here, like, we're just about to be open a year, and I'm not even from this area. Like, I'm new to this area, and you can definitely tell that the value for that community feel and that reciprocal relationship between the businesses the community is very important. If you, because you're not from here, so Dundas is always being like, Dundas is about Dundas. The people in Dundas like to spend money in Dundas, and I think considering our size, like, especially compared to Hamilton, but, like, of the communities in our area, this is one of the, uh, I think, best communities for like local small businesses. If you go elsewhere, like Ancaster, Waterdown, you have a lot of box stuff. It's true. And a lot of corporate type things. And then Dundas just seems to do well with like your small, you go down our main strip and it's like almost yeah. all small business, local yeah. business owners. Um, and so Dundas has always been being about spend money in Dundas, and because you are from out of here, we, uh, we it used to be its own entity, right? Like Hamilton amalgamated with all of us, and as and that would have been like I was in high school, so it's been a while. Um, if you talk to anybody who lives in Dundas, they're still like bitter about that. Yeah, they don't. They're still, they're not Hamilton. They are, oh, I, I they can are imagine Dundas. that. <laughs> Where I'm from, we're, we're a small town, and that happened to us. And I remember it was like. Chaos, man, when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> there was no, people were not happy about it. Dundas Forever stickers. <laughs> I like that, though. It's cool. Um, on that note, a couple fun little rapid-fire questions for you just to wrap up here. Um, what's, like, your favorite local restaurant? could be Dundas Hamilton. Well, if you open Hamilton, there's a lot. I have, um, I want it depends what. So, for breakfast, Jack Sweet Shop. Yeah, we, yeah, talked we just about talked that. about that. They're, like, breakfast grilled cheese sandwiches, like, just amazing um and i love uh little asia it's like a vegan vegetarian restaurant down the road uh their food is unreal so if you haven't tried them i would highly recommend them okay um favorite local brewery uh, i would have to say uh now i know them personally so grain and grit yeah um i enjoy there's a few things there one is uh they've been customers on and off over the years um and uh they bought a, an automotive repair shop. That's what they made the brewery out of. Yeah, yeah. So it, was a, it was Westdale Auto. It was a two-bay shop. And if you go in there now, there's still a Walker muffler sign on the wall. Oh, yeah. There is. No, yeah. no yeah. So That's awesome. They're yeah. really nice people. And uh, and uh, I uh, I like their space. And yeah, that would be my favorite. Yeah, they're great. We had Lindsay on the podcast. Yeah, Lindsay, yeah Lindsay's she's, awesome. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, 
Favorite local trail? I know you're a hiker. I know you like to get after the hiking. Yeah, locally, that'd be difficult. We did a, a lot of the RBG for with our dog because we have three dogs and we also foster, so sometimes we have four dogs. Um, and that always seems to be like a really nice area. Um, you get to walk down and see like Coots Paradise on the other side. Um, I would recommend it if you haven't been there. Yeah. Um, and then, but most of my favorite trail stuff, I've done some uh, out of Canada stuff. Yeah. Which is always. What's one of your favorites? Because I know you've been to some pretty cool places. Yeah, we uh, we trekked around Mount Blanc and like so we flew to uh, France and we walked for eight days and we basically walked around Mount Blanc. So we walked from France to Italy to Switzerland to France. Damn, was, that's cool. And it yeah. was it was like the the best trip I've ever been on in my life. That's awesome. Yeah, there was some neat stuff about it. There was like so the food was unreal. You're in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there's Places we ate at that are ski chalets in the winter, but it's summer and they only get food in by helicopter or they have to like trek it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty neat. That's awesome. Um, who's one, one person you think would be good to have on the, uh, the podcast local? Ooh, who would I like to have here? I think, um, someone who's like, maybe cause you guys are a new business and, uh, you've had to deal with this whole pandemic and, uh, closures and open and stuff. Um, uh, the owner of the revelry. I believe her name is Jessica. Okay. Um, I think she'd be good to talk to. I've, I've uh, tried to support her in every way I can. I have like some sort of weird, because uh, because that used to, that was the original Eccles Auto Service. So like a business finally got put in there, and I want to like support the crap out of them. Yeah. Um, and they they had a cool idea with being a licensed uh, spa, and, uh, and like obviously they've gone through some tough times in this year. So I think yeah. I think she'd be good to reach out to. Cool. And then last question we like to everyone to ask everyone is, um, what does move local mean to you? Like those words to you, not what we want to hear or what you think we want to hear. Move local. To, to me, to me, uh, move local would mean like, uh, I guess to me it's like supporting all your local areas, uh, move local, whether or not that's be active in your local area, spend money in your local area, just supporting anybody in your, in your where you live, where your community is. Awesome. Yeah, sweet. Scott, thanks so much, man, for coming on. It was, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, if people want to find you, find your business, yep. what's the best way they can do that? Um, well, we're, so we're located at 121 King Street West in Dundas beside Shoppers Drug Mart. Um, website is zacklesautoservice.ca and, uh, and the phone number is 905-627-3355. Sweet. There we go. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you.